Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. Don't forget to keep subscribing via iTunes and Spotify. It'll be uploaded to your phone every Monday. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for joining us once again. And on the line, he's back from his skiing trip. It's Rob Wall. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. And also joining me today is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. So looking at the National League, Rob, it's been a fantastic start to life at Wrexham for Brian Hughes. Yeah, um, I wanted to quote Matt Badcock in uh, the non-league paper. He sums it up perfectly. 1,226 miles, three games, two wins and a draw. Top of the National League. Brian Hughes couldn't ask for a whole lot more for Wrexham's epic week on the road. Uh, the Red Dragons returned to home comfort against Chesterfield yesterday following away wins at Haven't and Waterlooville and Boreham Wood before a draw. A 90th minute Cole stopped an equaliser at Gateshead, who we'll come on to talk about in a little while. Uh, all in the space of seven days. So, uh, yeah, a, an ideal start for Hughes. You know, we all sort of thought, what is going on with Wrexham, you know, when they made their third appointment of the season? But right now, it would appear to have been the right move, the right man and the right time, Luke. Yeah, definitely. Over 7,000 at, at the race course as well on Saturday. A great, great crowd there. And you beat a Chesterfield side who, as we spoke about last week, have been in, in decent form, even though they are down near the bottom. A big win for them. Akil Wright scoring the goal. And uh, he's been a great signing for him. Yeah, he was the man. Johnny on the spot, wasn't he? Or Akil on the spot yesterday. I saw the goal. And, uh, yes, yeah, huge. And... Uh, you know what? The cynics will sort of reach out for a lazy line about uh, how old Wrexham, you know, it's a little bit dangerous, you know, and they scrape their one nils and everything else. Believe me, <laughs> especially from the corner of the world I, I look at things from in the National League, you know, there's nothing wrong with a one nil win. They do it extremely well. They've done it extremely well under four different managers now. And you can't underestimate the impact on the players' legs after travelling over a thousand miles in seven days. And taking on a Chesterfield side, you know, who really been starting to creep away from the relegation zone in recent weeks. So a magnificent result for Rex. There was a team of the last couple of weeks, it'd have to be them, but not probably, Luke, the result and the performance of the day in front of the TV cameras. We've got to come yet again to Solihull Moors. Yeah, fantastic result for them. They got a game in hand on Wrexham, two points behind them. And they got the job done within the first half an hour, really, didn't they? Oh, clinical, ruthless, all those words come to mind. And it was almost the perfect day for Tim Flowers' men. A rampant home performance uh, in front of the TV cameras, a clean sheet to boot. And he was even able to leave top scorer Adi Youssef on the bench. Jermaine Hilton smashed in a first-half hat-trick, a hat-trick that uh, he'd actually dreamt about the night before strangely completing it with a penalty as he did and uh, yeah Yusuf coming off the bench and looking very very relieved I have to say uh, when he did finally score himself in the in, in the 92nd minute with Maidstone Rob as well John still went back there and when he left Barnet it wasn't quite working from at Barnet and I, I read a quote from one of his former players Anwar Rudin he said John can just go and retire now in Cyprus he's got a nice house there but he was lured back to Maidstone and it's just not quite happening and it'd be sad to see him go out with a relegation on his CV if he does decide not to continue at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it is un- uh, I don't think anybody underestimates what a tough job it is for John Still and for Hack and Hayreth in there because, you know, the one thing that's happened, Jay Saunders tried to build the side he wanted and then uh, Harry Wheeler came in, didn't he, and, and, and did a lot of jiggling and poking around, you know, and, 
I think I heard a quote, 56 players at some point or other played for Maidstone this year. That's very, very difficult to come in with such movement in and out. Um, you know, already a little bit adrift at the bottom. But I think, and, 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 and this is the, the footballing romantic in me, I, I think that maybe that was the plan for John still. But he loves the challenge and uh, it will have reignited memories of when he took Maidstone to the Football League all those years ago. Um, in this case, Luke, he might have to take a step back before they can take a step forward. Leighton Orient kept up the pressure at the top. They're five points behind with two games in hand, of course, are still in the FA Trophy. And they got a really good win at having at Waterlooville. Yeah, they had to work very hard for it. You know, a little bit of a theme is going to reoccur as we, as we plough on, uh, you know, particularly down into the National League South in a minute. But this was one of those teams struggling down at the bottom against teams up at the top jobs and Cavent and Waterlooville made a real fist of this one. I have to say, two of the best goals I've seen this season in this match. Jordan Maguire drew thumping home uh, from from distance to put Orient ahead. But then Alfie, Alfie Rutherford, who we talked about a number of times on the podcast this season, uh, a, a brilliant equaliser. And I think he said, he's quoted... Uh, on Twitter is saying that he doesn't think he'll ever strike a ball like that with his left foot again. Uh, and sadly, it counted for nothing because already got the job done with Josh Coulson late on. And uh, it kind of leads us nicely, really. Orient getting things a little bit back on track and uh, full credit to uh, their title rivals, Salford, who have had a wretched time of late. They'd slipped down to sixth place, hadn't they? And they went to uh, Ebbsfleet. Uh, they're a different kettle of fish under Gary Hill these days, but uh, they eked out a 1-0 win with a Carl Piergiani header. And uh, what a massive three points and uh, a much happier return home for Salford yesterday. Yeah, because we were talking about Salford. Have they blown it last week? Have they got too many players? But, uh, yeah, it just it keeps them well ensconced in the playoff places now, doesn't it? I mean, albeit Harry got only three points behind him in eighth, so they've got to keep churning out the results now haven't they they have and 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 you know we tried to predict this division before it started luke and even now we're into march we haven't got a scooby have we we haven't got a clue you know there, there, there's kind of three leagues within the premier league isn't there you know it's going to be the top six and then there's the battling for, for you know for, for that one perhaps european place and and then you know everybody else is going to be scrambling and there's three kind of different levels within it you can't say that about the national league premier division you, you just can't say it because it's absolutely fact that on their day the bottom team can be at the top and um, and we've no idea which way that title's going yet one thing i do like about it you know ourselves talking about it each week it's the fact that, it, that this isn't one of those processions where one team goes 8, 10, 12 points clear by this stage this one Luke is going right to the wire yeah it's going to be it could even be last day drama couldn't it in turn, which would be great for the, the National League and, and BT would love it and, and the non-league paper well we'd all, we all would really wouldn't we that it does go to the last day and we're, you, you're checking out the results what's happening elsewhere and things like that the permutations it's brilliant isn't it and all the way through, yeah, who's going to win the title? Who's going to squeeze into, you know, for example, that last playoff spot? And, and, and what about all those teams down the bottom as well? Who's, who's going to survive? There's some big teams looking, you know, there's one or two very well-known names probably going to drop out of the National League this season. So there's all to play for, no matter where you are in the table. Uh, you know, we're into just just commencing. We're inside less than two months of the season left, Luke, and and it's absolutely bubbling. Yeah, we'll get on to the, the fight to stay up shortly. But can I throw in Halifax winning at Eastleigh as the result of the day? Yeah, fantastic from them, and uh, 
just one goal conceded in eight games. You know what? If you're struggling to score goals and win games, the one thing you make sure you do, credit to Jamie Fullerton for that, he's made his side very, very hard to not just to beat, but to score against. And, and actually, they, they're on a decent run of, of collecting points, often in singles, but uh, keeping themselves away from trouble now. Yeah, they're in the top 10 in the farm table at the minute, so they're not doing too bad. And they're on 43 points. Uh, probably you're looking at maybe another three points for them to, to secure safety. Yeah, I think so. I think they're getting much, much closer to it. And of course, although it wasn't their day, Eastleigh, that was the end of a fantastic run for them mm. in which Ben Strevens has uh, hauled them up into a, a playoff place. So they're, they're well positioned as we go into these uh, last 10 or 11 games, Luke. Yeah, doing a really good job. And uh, Eastleigh managed to stay in the playoff places because Harrogate conceded a last-minute equaliser to Connor Wilkinson, who scored for Dagenham and Redbridge in that game. Moving on to the bottom, massive win for Dover, Rob. They beat Braintree 3-0, and it moves them four points clear to relegation zone. Yeah, it was uh, a must-win yesterday for Dover. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and sadly, I think after defeats against Aldershot and Dover in the last two weeks. I think that's probably just about it now for, 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 for Braintree. It's been a difficult season from the start for them. But for Dover, yeah, they got the job done. They were given a bit of a helping hand, actually, by uh, Ricky Gabriel, who suddenly saw the red mist very early on in that game and apparently uh, punched Alfie Pavey and got a red card for it. But, uh, uh, yeah, Alfie Pavey uh, kind of punched back, but uh, on the pitch, if you like with a goal 15 minutes later. Uh, Braintree hung in the game, and I think they had a chance sort of 10 minutes or so into the second half to uh, to level things from the spot. But uh, Corey Henry insisted on taking the uh, spot kick rather than the uh, nominated taker, Callum Morton, uh, and consequently missed. So um, uh, Dover went on to secure the game 3-0 in the end. Huge points for them, and it's created a little bit of gap now, which uh, no doubt we're going to come on to rather painfully from my point of view in a minute. Yeah, Danny Surley said there was a lot of friction between the players over who would take it and also the sending off. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look good, does it, you know, in terms of discipline and things like that when you've got players punching other players and getting sent off and then arguing over penalties and then missing them. No, it doesn't. It reeks of indiscipline, doesn't it? And uh, when managers want players to fight for the cause, they don't mean literally. <laughs> well, no, no, the gloves, the gloves were definitely off in that game. Um that Dover result as well meant bad news for having, as we mentioned, you lost too late, Norrington. And also all the shot who were looking to follow up that win against Braintree last weekend. And unfortunately, the home farm's let them down again, Rob, hasn't it? Yeah, it's wretched now. Um, I think it's one goal in about nine, eight or nine games at the Ebb Stadium, unfortunately. They just can't score. They've, they've been a bit more defensively solid of late. Uh, they've changed to three at the back. They've kept two clean sheets against Halifax and Braintree, but... Uh, Gateshead picked them off yesterday, and uh, if it's okay with you, bearing in mind it's a little bit like Groundhog Day at Aldershot, let's focus on Gateshead. Uh, unbelievable story, this one. Uh, you know, this is the National League that keeps on giving. Everybody, ourselves included, we all wrote Gateshead off at the start of the season. You know, they were going to change to a part-time model. It didn't happen. Fresh investment came. But there's been some question marks since day one, hasn't there? Mm. They've uh, had to deal with uh, a transfer embargo. They can't bring any players in. But there's no doubt now that they, uh, as part of trying to get that cleared, they have to submit a new budget. And that new budget is going to have to contain cuts. They've got rid of, you know, they didn't want to. They reluctantly let Kerr go to uh, Hartlepool. And by all accounts, in the week, uh, Scott Barrow's been touted around different clubs as well. So they're clearly trying to get the wage bill down. 
I've got a little quote uh, as well. The Gateshead chairman, Ranjan Varghese, he's actually said that Gateshead need crowds of 2,000. That's a 300% increase, by the way, in order to uh, make their new kind of plan uh, sustainable and in order for them to reach up to a higher level of football. Well, uh, you know, our good friend uh, Jeff Kent, who will have travelled back happy yesterday, even thanks to another win for, for Gateshead, will be scratching his head still and wondering uh, just what the way forward is for Gateshead. But on the pitch, Luke, full credit, all 14 outfield players they've got, plus a couple of goalkeepers, travelled to Aldershot uh, yesterday. They left at quarter past six in the morning. And at whatever time they got back last night, they turned back. Uh, they arrived back with uh, three points. Congratulations to Gateshead and uh, you just keep daring to dream. Bit of a double-edged sword, but we're loving how it's going, but and obviously there's the fear of what's happening off the pitch as well. It's horribly sounding unsustainable, whichever way you look at it, isn't it? And, uh, you know, if they can't sign players on, realistically, they're, they're going to have to complete this season with what they've got. They've only got to pick up a couple of injuries and suspensions now, and they're in really, really big trouble. And, and I have to admit, you know, I wasn't at the Aldershot game yesterday. I was travelling back from my own uh, holiday, but... Uh, you know, I looked at that yesterday and thought, maybe this is the right team at the right time for all the shot. But it wasn't, and uh, fair play to them. You, they, what they probably have got at the moment with such a small group, uh, Luke, is they've got collective togetherness, mm. a backs against the ball, siege mentality. But under Ben Clark and the cracking job he's done taking over from Steve Watts. And talking of Jeff, he did actually send Rob a message saying... If I could bottle and sell the passion and fight our lads have, I'd be a millionaire. My first job would be to buy the club and appoint people to run it properly. And it just shows there how much Jeff does care for the club and, as we were saying about the small fan base before. Barnet are down in 17th. I put it on the WhatsApp group this week just saying... Um, are Barnet in danger and, and, and you said no because at the minute they haven't got the points on the board but they have got the games in hand. Well, they got three vital points on Saturday when they beat Barrow by three goals to one and I heard Ian Everett saying that they, they weren't good enough in both boxes really and he said we can play all the pretty football we want but if we're not going to create chances and we're not going to win games and for Barnet that man Sha- Shaquille Coulter has turned up again didn't he? Yeah, I mean credit to Barnet I think what happened there is what I thought would happen not necessarily in that match but I think Barnet do have enough quality in it you know, it, 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 there's no doubt that, uh, you know, the, the, the rearrangement of so many matches and their cut runs has had a, a negative effect. But I think they knuckled down yesterday. They got back to basics and uh, got themselves a good three points. And, and, and the reason I said I don't think they're in trouble is they've got, just got too many games in hand. You know, I think it's four or five games on the rest of the league. And uh, they're not a poor side by any means, Barnett. They'll, uh, they'll pick up more than enough points to... Steer themselves uh, to safety. Um, interesting to quote from the Barrow manager because that could be uh, n- an interesting one next week. I've got to make the long journey up to Barrow for the Aldershot game next week. And uh, two sides knocking the ball around, playing pretty football, but not creating and scoring many chances. So uh, I'm not sure if I might cancel my uh, train ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a pretty nil-nil. Uh, I've seen a few of those, to be fair. Um, but uh, let's move on. The other team we have to give a shout to uh, from yesterday... Uh, Boreham Wood, they have been stuck nearer and nearer to that uh, relegation fight. They proper hauled themselves a little bit away from it yesterday with a 2-0 win at Bromley. And uh, funnily enough, whilst Ricky Gabriel was getting sent off for punching uh, at Dover, um, his brother uh, scored on his debut for Boreham Wood yesterday, along with uh, Idris Kanu, uh, who, who completed the route in the 90th minute. But quick uh, reference to our podcast uh, team member, Tom Lang, who's informed us that uh, that was Gabriel's 
22nd goal across steps one, two and three this season for three different clubs. Wow, it's pretty impressive and showing that he's, he can do it at any other level. So now we're going to have a look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. It, was a, it, it seemed to be a pretty significant day, didn't it, Chris, in the National League North over the weekend, especially with Stockport County's result against Spennymoor. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just starting on that game at Edgeley Park, well, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the best game in the world, but it was an absolute statement game. It was, it was it played in front of over 6,000 people. Spennymoor were really unlucky to lose. Both teams were, were fairly equal, and it took a, a Sam Walker goal from uh, from all of 35 yards, which he actually didn't mean, if he was honest, um, to break the deadlock. That crowd, Chris, I'm just looking across the three divisions. Only Wrexham got a higher crowd in Stockport County on Saturday. It was amazing, Luke. I mean, you know, we always talk about crowds at Edgeley Park and, you know, they're very proud of them and, and, and rightly so, but... There was a lot of publicity about trying to beat the 5,000 yesterday. and not They didn't just beat the 5,000, they smashed it. They even beat 6,000. Um, I've got to take my hat off to the Spennymore fans. They took about 250 yesterday and they sang the whole way through as well. And it was just a great occasion. Unfortunately, on the pitch, probably both teams cancelled each other out first half, but it was, it was much better in the second half, yeah. Yeah, for Spennymoor, a bit of a blow, really, that in the end. Uh, I know they've still got a game in hand, but if they did have got something at Edgeley Park today, it would have really put them in the driving seat, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, even a draw, you know, even a draw wouldn't have been a bad result, but the the result of it now is that uh, County are four points clear of them, albeit Spennymoor have got a game in hand, so... It's, I guess you could say it's advantage uh, county in that respect now. And after the game, you caught up with Spennymoor manager Jason Ainsley. Jason, there was absolutely nothing in that, and unfortunately for you, you came out on the losing side. Yeah, it was typical of the game, wasn't it? I think, like I said, I think one goal was going to going to win it either way. Um, we looked quite comfortable for an away side coming to a fantastic stadium and, and fantastic vocal support, you know. And, and Jim's got them got them really going strong. But they didn't really hurt us, they didn't create anything, didn't get behind us. Um, it was either going to take a worldie um, or a set play, and I think that was from both sides, I think. You know, because I think we looked a threat um, with set plays, and the, the keepers pulled off a couple of good saves from, from corners and, and, and set plays and, and free kicks. But, you know, to go down with a goal, it, I mean, Walker's put a great delivery in with his left foot, and it, and it's, it took seemed to take an eternity to go in the back of the net, you know. Um, I think the crowd sucked it in. I think it was going two yards wide, I think, and the, the crowd have sucked that in. But, you know, disappointed with the result, but certainly not the, the manner of the performance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this isn't going to derail your season. I, I would say they're probably the best side I've seen at Edgeley Park this season. So, how do you kick on from here now? Yeah, you're disappointed. I said to the players in there, I said, yes, be disappointed, yes, be annoyed, but yes, be angry, all them cliches. But one thing we've got to do is, is dust ourselves down and go again against a very, very strong Southport side. And it's a relentless league, you know, and you just have to look at results today. The, 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 it swings and roundabouts, I think. It's, um, it's a very, very tough league, a strong league. I was say, I mean, your fans were magnificent today. I noticed they had, uh, there was a few T-shirts on, spelling some out on the, fr- on the front row. I mean, have you got a word for them? Yeah, they've been amazing all season. Like, you know, we're a small town, uh, I think we're 20,000 population. But I think we brought about three, three and a half hundred today, and, and like I said, I just feel sorry for them that we haven't took them, took them something home. But but the people who've been watching us all season will know that we've given everything today, and you know you can't follow the lads' efforts. It's just um, we just hope we get get the way we want to be. And that was spending more manager Jason Ainsley, Chris, and disappointed but philosophical. Yeah, he was, and uh, you know he's really upbeat, and uh, as he said, it's not going to do derail his season, and neither should it. They were the do the best team I've seen at Edgeley Park all season, apart from. County, 
<laughs> yeah, well, I know you've had a you, you had a lot of admiration for Spennymore last season. The way they come and kind of attack it, even away from home, don't they? Yeah, but they didn't do that yesterday. They were more um, they, they were more solid. They weren't they didn't go all out attack like they did last season. I think they they recognised that County are a better team than they were last season, and um, no, they played to sort of hit them on the break and, and what have you. But unfortunately for them, it didn't work, and, and County got the break. Blow as well for Charlie. They could only manage. They managed to get a 93rd minute equaliser at Darlington, so maybe not a blow for Charlie, but the fact that they couldn't win again is just putting more pressure on them at the top, isn't it? Even though that now they're only a point clear. Yeah, they seem to be the team that are cracking at the moment, and um, they're, they're going to need to pick up the form if they if they want to keep going in this in this title race because out the last four games now they've lost two and they've drawn one and that wasn't really happening previously they did get that late equaliser through through Josh Wilson that salvaged the point and you never know that in a, in a league title race those points could be vital I did listen to Tommy Wright's interview, Darlington um, manager, and he just said their keepers made some great saves, and he, he thought they should have won the game, as you would when you're 1-0 up with uh, with only a few minutes left. But uh, from a Chorley point of view, yeah, that is a few points dropped re- uh, in recent weeks. And now, if County can win their game away at Boston on Tuesday, they can go top of the league for the first time. Yeah, massive incentive for him to do that. Won't be easy down at Boston. They drew 2-2 against our friend Dickies Telford. Uh, 2-2 there, late late equaliser for, for Theo Street in the 95th minute. Another uh, result that caught my eye, Chris, was the Cheshire Derby. Altrincham 4, Chester 0. What a result that is for Altrincham. Well, Altrincham have now scored 10 goals without replying the last two games. So I think they're, they're going great guns at the moment. But this game... Just turned on Scott Burton sen- sending off. He was sent off on 50 minutes. On 51 minutes, Altering got the first goal and then went on to score four. And do you know what? I've just watched the goals back and the defending is absolutely terrible. On each of the goals, there's probably eight Chester defenders in the penalty area, yet there's still Altering and men unmarked. And um, once again, Bernard Morley was absolutely scathing at the end of the match. And he, he, I mean, he said first of all about the sending off. He says an apology just don't make it right. He has apologised, Scott Burton, but you know. In, and then he also went on to say about his defending. He said, "I've never known a side that concedes goals like we do. They've got a lot to work on there." And it's it's just not happening at the moment for Chester, and I don't think they can put the finger on it. Very sort of un Johnson and Marley like, isn't it? The way it's happening for him at the minute. Yeah, no, it, it really is. But I tell you what, we've got to take our hat off, haven't we, to to because to score to score ten goals without reply in two games is is absolutely awesome. Yeah, and I'm going to go down there on Tuesday night and check them out against Blyde Spartans. What other results caught your eye, Chris? Um, so the other one I wanted to mention was uh, the Kidderminster game, and yeah, you would expect Kidderminster to. To beat Nuneaton uh, at home, especially you know we all we've talked about Nuneaton's problems for for well pretty much all season now. So it it was a home banker if you were, if you were a betting man, and of course Kidderminster did go on and win four um, one. But Kidderminster are also a team I saw on Tuesday night uh, at Ashton United, and I was really really impressed. And it's no surprise to anyone that Ash Chambers really impressed me. He seemed like a step above everyone else on the pitch and he was rewarded yesterday with a fantastic hat-trick as well as, as Kidderminster went on and beat Nuneaton by four goals to one. Yeah and Chris caught up with Mark Yates after that Ashton game uh, just to talk about the game and the season in general and about his return. So I'm joined by Mark Yates after his team's 1-0 victory at Ashton United and Mark it was quite tight for the first hour you took over a little bit in that last half hour but it took something special to uh, to settle it. Yeah I've got a back four of 
average age of 22. I thought Fraser was immense today. They, they sniffed out danger. When you come to Ashton, you've got to Blythe. It's not about pretty football. You know, the number two's throwing a ball in your box from anywhere in, in, the, in, in, the, in your half, and, you, and you're defending it. And the pleasing thing for me today, I, don't, I didn't have any, any worries in the last five, ten minutes, really, even when they th- threw the big five up there, because I knew we were competitive. I knew that my two centre-halves, my two full-backs were, were winning headers, winning first contacts, picking up second balls, Russ and, and, and his men in the middle of the park. And I just thought Ashley Chambers, his work rate, probably shone through more than anybody else and he was unlucky with a couple of you know he closed the keeper down twice won the ball back a little bit unlucky maybe rushed the first one but really pleased that the lads have, have learnt quickly so the aim now will be to push into those playoff spots am I right? that's been the aim I presume since the start of the season I like the play listen we're in we're in the National League North and we've been in it for is it three years now or something I played here. I've managed here, and at, 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 you know the next level above. It was. It's. It, it shouldn't be in this league, but it, it is. And that's the harsh reality. And it's no good pretending that that oh we're too big for this. Oh we? Yeah, there's Stockport, Altrincham, massive clubs in this. You know, massive histories. You know, some big clubs. Some you know Ashton who've done fabulous over the last few years, and and they're scrapping and fighting and. You know, Chorley are running away. Well, Chorley and Stockport are at the top with many more. And, you know, there's some there's some clubs spending money. Yorks, you know, there's there's some big clubs in this division. So you have no divine right. We just we know that we've got a squad capable. We 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 are, we the def we as a club have definitely not in the position we would like to think we we could be in. So yeah, we. we I'm not going to say we've underachieved, but we, we, we want to be higher. We, we should be higher. I, I'm stepping in from, you know, from the last four games, and I think this club should be, shouldn't be in this division. You know, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, because you are where you are. And, you know, under John, the last two years, it's been f- fantastic free-flowing football. But for some reason, it hasn't quite managed to get over the line. You know, strange things have happened sometimes. You know, we, the last two years, the club's been fighting for first position most of that time not quite happened a couple of times and, you know, and and we've got a lot of hard work to do between now and then but you know if they show me that attitude together with the ability that I know we've got that I see on the training ground and I see I've seen in a couple of games already if we can harness all that together there's no reason why we can't make a you know a, a shout for the playoffs you know we, we're we, we've got some tough games coming up I think I think we've got the top five rough you know roughly the top five or five of the top six teams consecutively so we've got a lot of hard work to do but why, why not go you know why not set yourself a target of going for the playoffs you know we, we ability wise we're good enough we've got to prove that mentally and and and, and when it comes to a bit of nitty gritty make sure that we can we can handle that as well and we're capable but we just got to do it on a consistent basis and that was Mark Yates, and he's a, he's very driven, and, and one thing he seems to have instilled in him, Chris, is, is to win a bit more uglier as well on top of the pretty football. Yeah, and you know, go, we've spoken before about Ashton United, what a difficult place it is to go to, especially on a Tuesday night. They make it so hard for teams to, to break them down, and it, it took a wonder goal, actually, on, on Tuesday night for it to uh, for that deadlock to be broken. They were probably it was probably an even game until the last twenty minutes, and then they really put the afterburners on and won. And you know, the, the frustrating thing for Kidderminster is they've got so much more in the tank. But it seems like, and I'm pretty sure that in Mark Yates' capable hands, they will uh, they will start marching up the league. And if they don't get in the playoffs this season, I think they'll be a contender next season. Yeah, just one other result I want to look at, Chris. Now FC United Radio do a, a program called "It'll Be Off." 
uh, before each each game and uh, they said if they win it, it'll be on they needed a 90th minute equaliser and that equaliser just means they're clinging on by the fingertips aren't they now I think yeah they're still there there's, there's still hope but certainly FC United they're only six points away from Geisley who are misfiring terribly at the moment and uh, and Hereford as well the problem is that was a six points yesterday and so they really really did need to win that they're not going to get as many games against teams who are around and about them. Hereford was certainly a team they would have hoped they could put away. But no, it's still, you know, it's still possible for SC United as it is possible for Ashton United as well. I think Nuneaton have had it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, they have, and I think they've admitted that themselves. So let's move yeah. on now to the National League South. Hi, everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League South, what a crazy day. It was top versus bottom in all three games, and, well, the top three all lost, didn't they, in the end? Surprising results. Uh, it is incredible. And uh, I hinted at this earlier on in the podcast, but... Uh, I'd actually picked out three games yesterday that I wanted to uh, to focus on today, and I just had to basically tear it up, Luke, because you know we thought that perhaps there would be uh, some straightforward results in that division yesterday with a lot of the top sides playing the bottom. Um, let's look at it from Hungerford's point of view, shall we? They've got themselves a really creditable one-all draw against uh, Woking, uh, albeit a, a very busy day for their goalkeeper. Michael Luyambula. They would have come off yesterday after 90 minutes and gone, that's a point, that's a bonus point. You know, we didn't think we were probably going to get today against one of the title chasers in Woking. And then they'll have seen the other results and they'll have been in sheer disbelief because Torquay lost at home for the first time this season under uh, Gary Johnson and they lost to Western Supermare. Um, Gethin Hill put Western Supermare ahead, really equalised from the penalty spot but uh, Alex Bray, who's on loan from uh, Rotherham, um, he scored a superb individual strike in the 84th minute to silence playing more. Uh, it still leaves Western Supermare eight points from safety themselves, but a hugely creditable win for them. East Thurrock took on Billericay. Well, when Adam Coombs got another goal, it looked like business as usual for Billericay, but a brace from Ricky Hales turned things around there. Similar story for East Thurrock. Long, long fight ahead, but... Uh, a little dent in the uh, uh, playoff hopes of uh, Billericay Town. And then Dulwich Hamlet. We've mentioned them a few times. They've been sort of squirming their way. <laughs> mm. uh, a point here and a point there towards safety. But uh, they took on Dartford. You know, they won 2-0 yesterday. I think it's Dakari Sharif, 90th minute, uh, bolted the door shut, if you'll forgive me that pan, <laughs> on the three points. Uh, but credit to Dulwich, to Hungerford, to uh, Western Supermare and to East Thurrock. Quite an incredible day for the bottom side taking on the big boys up top. Yeah, and I heard a quote from Rod Stringer saying about all these Essex derbies. The players all know each other. So, for example, East Thurrock will know about Billy Ricky's players. And, and that maybe doesn't give them an edge, but it, it gives them more confidence that they know what they're facing. Yeah, I think so. It's tough for Billy Ricky every time they set foot on the field because of because of everything about the club and what's happened in the last couple of years, everybody wants to beat them. And they've been pretty well, they've been doing pretty well of late. And they deserve full credit for that. Harry Wheeler's uh, settled back in. Uh, last time, I think he lost in charge of Billericay. Didn't he get the sack? <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, I think he might have done. But uh, hopefully this time, they won't pull the trigger quite so quickly. But, uh, you know, just a fascinating day in the National League South yesterday. And uh, 
one that uh, Tom would have absolutely drooled over had he been around this week. Wheelstone drew with Billericay in midweek and then he followed it up with a nil-nil draw at Gloucester on Saturday. And on Monday night, Tom went down to Wheelstone and after the game he called with manager Bobby Wilkinson. I'm stood here with Bobby Wilkinson, Wheelstone's manager, after a one-all draw at home to Billericay Town. It was a really interesting game to watch and actually I think that you guys were slightly unlucky to only come away from that with a point. How do you feel about that? Great game for non-league football. I think you'd agree with that. So um, I was very pleased for that, for non-league football. But, yeah, I'm disappointed that we didn't win the game because I thought first half we were brilliant. Uh, played some great entertaining football at times as well. Always on the front foot, lots of energy. I thought second half they had the first 25 minutes uh, when they got their goal. Then I thought we rode the storm and then really should have nicked it, shouldn't we, with a couple of chances and especially the one in the 93rd minute. You've got a score in the six-yard box. Disappointed, actually, not to win it, but... You know, I'm not going to get greedy. A point's a good point. It took us closer to the playoffs. Yeah, you've mentioned that 93rd minute chance. Uh, I genuinely thought you were going to take all three points there. Um, what was going through your mind at that point? Yeah, well, you can see I'm not too happy because I hate it if I don't win. You know, I'm a serial winner. I just want to win everything I ever do. And I'm disappointed that we haven't won the game. And that one's going to haunt me all night. I'm not going to lie there. Give me nightmares tonight. But you've got to score. I'm sorry, you've got to score. But um, it's the first time the the lad's played in four months, my left back. Um, So I threw him in the deep end. So I let him off this once. But um, if he does that again, he'll soon know about it. I mean, uh, so Billericay Town, they obviously had a very rough in, uh, rough two, uh, November and December. Yes. But they've come through it and they've put five wins in the, on a trot together and you've just stopped that run and you've taken a point off them. What were your thoughts going into the game? Did you think they were there to be taken or were you concerned about st- shutting up shot mainly? No, that's why I went. I've been playing 4-3-3, but today I went to 4-4-2 because um, I believe I can win any game. Um, I don't show anyone respect. I believe I can win any game. So we we didn't show them any of that respect. We went for it. We were unlucky not to get it. Um, you know They're going to be really happy with a point. You see the way they celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and rightly so, they've come to a, a team that's in form like us as well. And um, they, they took a point. So disappointed in that, but I can understand why they're happy. So um, I'm, I'm the National League South correspondent for our podcast and I quite regularly get asked, based on the FA Trophy run last season, should we be expecting more from Wilson? And I always say yes, I believe we should. I think in terms of the manager they've got, in terms of the squad they've got, they should be higher than where they are. You've put together a decent run recently. Is that something that you think you can continue towards the end of the season and are the playoffs where you expect to finish? Well, as you know, we had a very difficult December ourselves, but not everyone knows why it was very difficult. There was a lot of things behind the scenes going on, um, what everyone got caught up in in the end. But that's uh, that's bided uh, by that now, so we got back to focus. Um, the board sorted out all their differences, what they were doing. You know, we've lost our chairman as well. We've got a new chairman now, so we're moving forward. So, you know, a lot of people say that, but people don't know the ins and outs of it. We had a bad month, but it was bad on and off the park, and everyone got caught up in it. And then in the end, it was like, literally, let's get back together. Um, we've got a great management team here, great players. I, I disagree with certain people when they say we should be up there because people don't know the circumstances, but I understand that. Wolfstone are a massive club, and um, I want us to be up there, and that's why I'm fighting week in, week out to make sure we're up there and that's why 2019 we're unbeaten been here what three four times before and I've always made the playoffs I'm a born winner um, I'm not going to say I'm going to make it but I'm certainly going to try I saw your result against Eastbourne at the weekend I think Eastbourne's a difficult place to go you took three points away from the home uh, and scored three goals as well um, Taran Alarakia scored how much of a uh, positive acquisition has he been? 
true sign that you know I went to watch him a couple of times uh, but everyone was sleeping I was working um, it was quite shrewd it's worked um, I've got him to the end of the season so you know credit to everyone at the football club for allowing him to stay with me he's been brilliant I'm annoyed that he didn't score in the 44th minute tonight uh, thanks for reminding me of that but uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a credit I love working with him he's a great lad as well as you see I've got a bunch of winners here but I built a family built a togetherness here and um, that's what I believe in that's my philosophy is, um, everyone's got to give 110% and so far they are and finally I was to pick two managers to watch this season uh, in the National League South and I picked uh, Gavin Rose at Dulwich Hamlet this has been a season of consolidation for you at Wilson so far last season was an absolute achievement in terms of what you did in the FA Trophy and the league thank you what does the future hold for Bobby Wilson <laughs> That's really kind you say that. You, you know my ambitions. I want to manage in the league. I'm working hard every day because that's where I want to be. I don't want to stand still. I want to take this club as uh, far as I can take them and I want to take them to the next level. I'm a well-driven man, as you, you know that. I just want to just keep you know, learning every day. I make mistakes every day as well. Um, I believe in my own ability. I believe with the management team and the players and everyone around me that we can achieve things. But I'm just going to keep working. It's all about my management team and my players, really. You know, your manager takes applause. It's when you win, but you, you know, you get booed when you lose. But for me, it's about everyone together. I live and breathe this every day. People will never understand how much I work. Never at home. Never see my family because I just love working. It's my job. You know, until I achieve what I want to achieve, and that's the managing the leagues, I won't stop. I might not say I will ever get there, but I have to have that belief um, I don't want to be a manager that's just happy to plod along you know pick up some money when you can you know win some games lose some games I'm, I, I want to win um, and I did that with a lower club as you know with all them promotions and now I want to do the same here but I can't do it overnight um, to achieve what I achieved in the trophy to get beat in the semi-final here was one of the biggest achievements for me to be fair but I'm not happy because now I want to improve again and I want to make these playoffs so badly for this football club but uh, I know how difficult it's going to be and yeah, I still won't sleep now. Won't sleep for another two more months um, because I've got work to do. Until I achieve it, I won't stop. When you talk about the playoffs, you're in a, such a competitive league. <laughs> I look at some of the teams around you, you know, the likes of Dartford, the likes of Bath City, the likes of Chelmsford, some of the resources they've got. Um, you know, fair play to you for what you're achieving with Wilson and good luck for the rest of the season. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your kind words as well. Thank you so much. And that was Bobby Wilkinson, and, and as always, it, well, he, he really wants it. He's hungry for that success, isn't he? And it, that would have disappointed him not winning that game yesterday. Yeah, it will. I think he said himself in that interview, if I remember correctly, he's a born winner and uh, he absolutely hates not winning, let alone losing. He's a passionate guy. Um, he struggles, as he said to me, uh, pre-season when I interviewed him that uh, he struggles to contain that. He's tried being quiet and demure on the touchline. It just doesn't work for him. But uh, no, he's got a tremendous record uh, in reaching the playoffs in management and he's absolutely hell-bent on doing it again. Just looking at the National League South table, despite the draw yesterday, just three points off of the playoffs, uh, Wilston. It helped them probably that uh, Dartford lost and uh, Bath drew. But uh, they're still in with the shout. Concord, they've now slipped seven points uh, away. They're a little bit harder for them to, to make those end-of-season playoffs now. At the other end, well, as you can probably imagine, not too much has changed uh, with all the sides getting positive results. East Thurrock have closed to within four points now of uh, Gloucester City. Uh, and uh, they'll believe, as will Hungerford, who are also on 27 points, that they've, they've got a chance. Western Supermare, as we said, eight points off... Um, Lots still to play out and whatever anybody thinks of the new playoff system, 
Luke, um, there's no doubt whatsoever meaningless end-of-season games are almost a thing of the past now. Indeed, it, it keeps everyone interested, doesn't it? I know I poo-pooed it at the start of last season, but um, I've been I've, I've become a convert now because, like you say, it's just making everything interesting. Even if you're in 11th or 12th place, you're not out of it, are you? Absolutely not. And, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 will, that can only help the uh, attendances, uh, you know, for, for all clubs. You know, as we go through to the end of the season, it's got to it's got to have a positive effect. I don't think anybody ever did much analysis on that. But if you were mid-table, not going up or down, and you kind of knew it with with, with ten, twelve, fourteen games to go, it, it massively affects crowds. People love nothing more than a promotion fight or a relegation fight. Believe me, I know because I see one almost every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's never dull, is it? In step three, Warrington, they're clear at the top by four points now in the Evo Stick Premier Division. They won 4-1 at Mickelover Sports. Coupled with Farsley Celtic losing at Lancaster, that's put Warrington in pole position. Warrington, who missed out losing in the playoff final last year, getting into National League North, hoping to go one better. In the Boston League, Dark in there, eight points clear, and they're scoring goals for fun. They won 6-0 against Burgess Hill, who were bottom of the league, and they're clear now of Harringay Borough. And in the Southern League Premier Central Division, which we love because it's a mouthful, Kettering, they maintain their lead at the top with a 1-0 win at Lowestoft, and they're now eight points clear of Stourbridge with two games in hand as well, so it's safe to say that Marcus Law's side's Got that pretty much wrapped up. I know there's a there's a couple of things that caught your eye in terms of results, Rob, as well in step three. Yeah, I mean credit to Kettering. They've they've, they've packed their side with quality, and haven't they? Uh, Honus with a six minute goal got them on the way again yesterday. Obviously got the likes of uh, Dan Holman banging in goals most weeks for them now, and the experienced Craig Stanley there as well. So uh, they look uh, not quite home and dry, but nicely on track, and they should uh, they should win that one at a canter now, but. Uh, I always have a look out for my home side, St. Neat's Town uh, result. They're in a relegation battle. They're in the uh, they're closest to survival, if you like, in the three relegation positions. And I saw they got a one-all draw at uh, Redditch yesterday. I thought, well, it's not a bad result, really, until I heard the full story, Luke. This is staggering. Redditch had a player sent off uh, just before half-time. They had another one sent off relatively early in the second half. St. Neat's, by the way, were in the lead from the fourth minute with a Wharton goal. Would you believe Redditch then had a third player sent off? They went down to eight men and they got a late, late equaliser. They got themselves a point. What a staggering story. If you've ever, listeners, been taken part in a game where it's 11 against eight or 11 against seven, it really does make a huge difference, unlike the 11 against 10 that we see so often. And that is quite incredible for Redditch not to concede with eight men and to find an equaliser for themselves. So we'll make Redditch United our step three team of the day. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah, in- in- incredible stuff there from Redditch. And also we, when we had Mick Payne on the other week, he was just saying about how the England C team, you dip into not only the, the National League North and South, but step three as well. And, and that's proven this week, hasn't it, with Brandon Goodship um, being recognised for scoring all those goals for Weymouth. And he's been called up into the England C squad now, hasn't he? Yeah, I, do you know what? When that uh, squad was announced, initially I sort of read it and, and saw the, the players' names and I was scratching my head a bit, really, because I think what happens is, uh, psychologically, you almost expect to, it to be like a, uh, a, a National League kind of you know, side picked from, from, from the best players in the league. But, of course, there are restrictions based on, uh, you know, 
uh, where players are from uh, nationality-wise uh, based on, you know, they, obviously if they're just on loan uh, from the Football League or whatever, they can't be considered. Uh, and they need to be uh, under 23 on a certain date of the year as well. So, uh, but credit to those youngsters that have been picked in that side. It's going to be a really, really proud moment for them. And uh, the NL Full-Time Podcast will be there to uh, cover it all for our listeners. Yeah, uh, as we will indeed the end of uh, the end of season uh, finals down at Wembley. I think we've got eleventh uh, of May. I think it is the uh, promotion, the National League promotion final, and then the non-league finals day the following weekend. And sandwiched in between that, Luke, uh, the National Game Awards. It's going to be a busy week for the podcast team, but uh, rest assured, listeners, uh, we'll bring you the highlights of all. Yeah, we're going to have a, a special England Sea podcast for that one. And, and talking of Brandon Goodship, he scored once again for Weymouth on Saturdays. They won 2 0 at Froome. And they're just a point behind leaders Taunton in the Premier South Division. Uh, and they've got a game in hand on them as well. So hotting up there for Mark Mosley. He's got that consistency now. Yeah, they had their little flirt with the, uh, with the cup, didn't they? But they're back on track now. And, uh, you know, after yesterday's results, the big uh, the big losers yesterday were uh, Metropolitan Police, who've been in superb form. We've, we've picked him out so many times this season, and uh, although we haven't heard from him because he's a bit busy with other stuff, Tom Lang was at Tiverton Town yesterday to see uh, the side who were battling against relegation, uh, just pulled themselves a point clear with that huge uh, win, 2-1 over uh, Metropolitan Police, who probably at this stage we might just have to discount from the title race, but... Uh, Who'd have thought we'd even be saying that all those months ago? Uh, looks like uh, Taunton, Weymouth and Salisbury will contest that one. Three points between the top three uh, and uh, the latter two of those with a uh, game in hand over Taunton. And there's an interesting story out as well this week about Hensford Town. Uh, it's on the front of the non-league paper as well, if you do get it this weekend, about they could be taken over by, I think it's our own AFC is what it's called. It's a mobile phone app and you can have 10,000 new owners and, and they could be running Hensford Town. And I know you did something similar with Ebsleet, Chris, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was one of the, the people who, um, I can't remember how much it was in though. I think it was something like 40 quid or something. You can buy, you, you, you sort of bought into this, uh, it was my football club then, I think it was called. Mm. And, you know, there was promises that you could pick the team and all this sort of stuff. And in the end, it didn't really turn out like that. And it was quite clunky 10 years ago. Technology wasn't what it is now. Um, there was obviously no apps around. You did it on the internet and you, you ended up sort of, choosing kit, the colour of the kit and um, where they should train and stuff like that. So it wasn't as hands-on as it was promised and it was probably best like that. You know, 10 years ago, I thought, oh, it'd be great if you could pick the team and uh, and, and be a part of it. But actually, it, it wasn't like that and it probably shouldn't because I think it was Liam Dace who was in charge at the time and mm. it must have just, it would have been an impossible job for him. So I'm interested to see, you know, how this develops. <laughs> I was going to say, can it work, Chris? Uh, well, it didn't work at Edgefleet. Uh, even with the, the sort of new technology, I think all that is going to give is even more control to um, to people. And, uh, you know, when it comes to a decision, who, who, who do you want to play up front? Is it going to be the popular striker who takes people on? Or is it going to be the guy who holds the ball up and lays it off for the, you know, the wingers running onto the ball? And... Um, your manager might pick the guy who holds it up and brings other people into the game, whereas if people on a mobile app, they're going to want to see the guy who entertains and and uh, you know and takes people on. So 
if if it's it depends what level it's to. If it's to that level, I can't. If if it's to the level that people are going to actually start picking teams, I can't, I can't see how it's going to work. But then the people who have bought into it will want that type of control. It just it just doesn't seem like a model that could ever work to me. Well, Chris, thank, thanks for joining us again this week. Yeah, no problem, Luke. And we'll, we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Rob, thanks for joining us once again this week. Yeah, it's been a pleasure as always. And I look back, I look forward to uh, actually seeing some action uh, next weekend after a couple of weekends off, Luke. And uh, we'll obviously bring you reaction from that uh, game of pretty football with uh, without too many chances created uh, at Barrow next week. <laughs> Cure three all. I was going to say it's going to be you know it's going to be three all now isn't it we, uh, that's, that's all for NL full time this week thank you once again for listening don't forget to subscribe and we shall see you all very soon <laughs> <laughs>